Following a transfer. From the top the lowest state theater building. Tales of intrigue, adventure, and the mysterious occult that will stir your imagination and make your very blood run cold. This is Dark Adventure Radio Theater with your host, Erskine Blackwell. Today's episode, H.P. Lovecraft's The Horror at Red Hook. In great cities of the world, humanity congregates, and commerce, culture, and cosmopolitan sophistication blossom in their gardens. But in the shadows that lie beyond the broad boulevards and glare of electric lights, great cities give birth to something else. In these shadows thrives a dim underworld, peopled by nefarious characters brought together from every godforsaken corner of the globe. And in this urban darkness, the polyglot horde carries out unspeakable abominations, unfit for the light of day. Can a lone policeman make a stand for decency against the godless denizens of New York's most loathsome slum? Or will he find himself consumed by the filth and depravity of nameless cults? But first, a word from our sponsor. Today I'm joined by Dr. Milton Peterson of the American Medicinal Institute. What brings you in, Doc? Mr. Blackwell, physicians across the country are seeing some alarming conditions among our patients. Lethargy, ennui, and malaise are sapping many Americans' verve and zip. Sounds serious. What are you doing about it? For my patients, I'm recommending fresh air, exercise, and a daily bottle of bubble pep. Bubble pep? Erskine, this invigorating tonic is fortified with a bracing splash of lithium. Just the ticket to quench your nerves and put a spring in your step. Here, try a glass. Well, I'll be. I can almost taste the verve. Order a case today for your health. Take good care of yourself and your family. Drink doctor-recommended bubble pep. The L is for lithium. Drink bubble pep. It'll fix you fast. Drink bubble pep for a zip that lasts. That's bubble pep. Go and buy you some. The L is for lithium. Yum, yum. And now, Dark Adventure Radio Theater presents H.P. Lovecraft's The Horror at Red Hook. There are sacraments of evil as well as good about us, and we live and move, to my belief, in an unknown world a place where there are caves and shadows and dwellers in twilight. It is possible that man may sometimes return on the track of evolution, and it is my belief that an awful lore is not yet dead. Arthur Mackin Sky. Blue. Night. Moon. Bird. Worm. Dog. Cat. Mother. Saint. 
Brick. I'm sorry, what? Brick. 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 What, such as buildings are made of? Just say whatever comes into your mind. Uh. It's all right. Go ahead. Brick. <laughs> nothing. Oh, sorry, there's nothing there. I'm afraid I don't quite see the value of this childish exercise. I fear you come all the way out here to the country for nothing. Thomas, you've had a setback in your treatments. We need to understand what triggered this latest episode. An episode, was it? <laughs> I think you might be making too much of all this. Perhaps you'll let me be the judge of that, Thomas. Well, Dr. Lieber, I've told you I don't know what to tell you. I don't remember any of it. Maybe not right now, but... I don't. Not really. I went into town. Were you supposed to go into town? No, I'm supposed to stay here. A wee country mouse in Little Chapachet, I know. Why did you go into town, Thomas? Simply to buy magazines, Doctor. Some harmless diversion from all this therapeutic scenery. Hmm. And what happened? I... I can't recall. I tore my trousers. Someone helped me up. Uh, suppose I must have fainted or the like. What did you see in town? I don't know. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary. Hmm. Let's see here. A witness says you stopped and stared at the tallest building. Do you remember that? No? This witness says you shrieked several times and then ran to the next crossing where you fell. I tore my trousers. Other witnesses say you then turned around and walked back to the Chapachet Road the same way you'd come. A milkman? That's right. You met the milkman and he led you back home. Yes, that I remember. Thomas, this incident in town may be connected with your earlier troubles. The events which led to you being placed in my care in the first place. Nah, I don't see it. Sometimes the connections aren't so obvious. Let's go back. You were on the police force in New York, right? I was. Even no, I was. So I recognize an interrogation when I'm in the middle of one. And how to avoid one, perhaps. Thomas, I'm here only to help you. <laughs> I used to say similar things when I was on your side of the table. You were present at a disaster, weren't you? The collapse of a building, right? I went over this before. It's all in your files there. I want to see what comes to mind for you today. Think back, that building. It wasn't just one. They all came down, the buildings. We had men inside, our men, and prisoners too. The whole thing came tumbling down on them. And they were buried in the rubble, under a massive pile of... Bricks? Yes, bricks. That must have been very disturbing. You can't begin to imagine. And it made you very nervous to be around tall brick buildings, didn't it? Ah, oh, you crack the case! Let's me cured then! May I go now? And then the police surgeon suggested you come down here to Chopachet. Spend time in the country away from that kind of thing. They wanted me out of that nest of disorder and violence. Said I'd been working too hard. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Something you haven't told before. <laughs> oh, no offense, Doctor, but I've never taken you to be a man of much imagination. <laughs> so you've said. But why should I need imagination? Because without it, you could never accept the story I have to tell. To hint to an unimaginative man of a horror beyond all human conception. A horror of houses and blocks and cities diseased with evil, dragged from elder worlds. Well, 
You'd just lock me away. I'd be pacing inside a padded cell instead of strolling country lanes. Tell me about these horrors. Maybe I'm more imaginative than you think. Well, if you are, then God help you. Once you see that old brick slums and seas of dark foreign faces are things of nightmare and eldritch portent, then God's the only one who can help you. I'm not afraid. We'll get through it together. Now, where was it, this horror of yours? In Brooklyn? In Brooklyn, I. In the western point, due south of the battery across the Hudson. The horror was at Red Hook. It's an old neighborhood settled by the first of the Dutch colonists near the ancient waterfront opposite Governor's Island. No doubt it was pleasant enough once upon a time, but now it's a maze of hybrid squalor. Dirty highways climbing the hills from the wharves to the higher ground. When I started, I could scarcely believe any place in the world could be home to such foulness and depravity. I was a rookie, and they paired me up with an old-time beat cop. Ah, look at you. <laughs> you look like you're fresh off the boat. What's your name, boyo? Thomas Malone, Sergeant. Gianni McKenna. They call me Sarge. Welcome to the Butler Street Station. Been working these streets 22 years. You stick with me, you'll learn a thing or two. Right, Sarge. You a Dublin man? Yeah, good here. Reared just off Phoenix Park. You sound just like my granda. He was a Dublin fella. Came over to fight in Lincoln's War. Got shot full of holes at Antietam. They hit him five times, and all he lost was a foot and part of an ear. Jeez, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> I'll have to bring you home for supper. My grandmother's gonna love you. We Irish, we gotta stick together. You'd be surprised at the racists in this town, especially the Wops. You stick close to me and pay attention. There's Tufts in Red Hook, who would do you a lot worse than just shooting you a few times. Right. Now, what side of the street are we walking on? Uh, this would be the west, right? We're walking in shadow. You want to see what's going on in Red Hook? Stick to the shadow. If it gets too ugly, bolt for the light. Got it. You see that choice bit of calico over there on the stoop? Quite the hotsy-totsy. Oh, she's got the look all right. <laughs> she, uh, on the game? You tell me. Yeah, well, I think she is. Well, how can you tell? She's making eyes at that bloke down yonder. And looks like them fellas back by the alley, they might be keeping watch on her. Ah, good man yourself. Should we go give her a stern word? <laughs> you do what you think is best, boyo. I'll stay here. Excuse me, miss. Like word with you. Hey, me talk with lady. Find your own. Ah, uh, none of that now. Police. You, sir, go on about your business. As for you, miss. You go now. You bad business. You stink. Hey, now, stop it. You want me to take you in? Enough of the shouting. You want a night in the pokey? You clear off, Cooper. Oh, so you called for help, huh? Now, look, you fellas need to step back. Mr. Tough Police, eh? You, leave girl. It's against the law to solicit prostitution, as long as I'm on patrol here. Yes. Hey now, you could have hit me with that. You lads need to disperse. Go, go home. You make us go, huh? We is live here. me say you go. Don't come any closer. Get back. For you, we come in the night. Cut off your face.
You all right there, Boyo? There were so many. They came from nowhere. Let that be today's lesson. In Red Hook, you make sure you got superiority in numbers. A tough neighborhood. Did working in Red Hook frighten you? Frighten? <laughs> no, but it fascinated me. Daily life was a phantasmagoria of macabre shadow studies. Glittering and leering with concealed rottenness. Now hinting terrors behind the commonest shapes and objects. It sounds frightening to me. Does it? Sometimes I think it's merciful that most persons of high intelligence jeer at the inmost mysteries. I don't understand. If a superior mind like yours were ever placed in the fullest contact with the secrets preserved by ancient and lowly cults, the resultant abnormalities would soon not only wreck the world, but threaten the very integrity of the universe. That's a disturbing sentiment. <laughs> it's not so bad, as long as you keep a sense of humor about it all. I did all right until the job flung me into a hell of revelation too sudden and insidious to escape. And what exactly was this hell? Red Hook itself, I suppose. It was a babble of sound and filth, a hopeless tangle and an enigma. A jumble of Syrian, Spanish, Italian, and Negro elements whose strange cries were answered by the lapping of oily waves at grimy piers and the monstrous organ litanies of the harbor whistles. From this tangle of material and spiritual poverty, the blasphemies of an hundred dialects assailed the sky. There's a touch of the poet in you, Thomas. I'm Irish. Clearly, Red Hook is a lawless, dreadful place. Oh, that it is. I'm of the opinion that people under lawless conditions tend to repeat the darkest instinctive patterns of primitive savagery in their daily life and ritual observances. I'd see them, chant and curse in processions of blear-eyed and pockmarked young men which wound their way along in the small dark hours of morning. They were everywhere, sometimes in leering vigils on street corners, sometimes in doorways playing eerie music, sometimes in stupefied dozes or indecent dialogues around cafeteria tables and sometimes whispering around dingy taxicabs drawn up at the high stoops of crumbling old houses. They chilled and fascinated me. Why was that? I saw in them some monstrous thread of secret continuity, some fiendish cryptical and ancient pattern utterly beyond and below the sordid crimes we tried to stop. They were heirs of some shocking and primordial tradition, the shares of debased and broken scraps from cults and ceremonies older than mankind. Secrets? Hmm. Do you have secrets, Thomas? No more than any decent man. Uh, tell me, have you read Margaret Murray's Witch Cult in Western Europe? I've heard of it. She puts forward some unpleasant ideas about the origin of the church, doesn't she? Her book proves that up to recent years there has survived among peasants and furtive types a frightful and clandestine system of assemblies and orgies descended from dark religions. Orgies? Good heavens. Their rites appear in popular legends as black masses and witches' sabbaths. Thomas, I think we're getting off track here with these cults and rites. Let's talk about what happened in Red Hook. Off track? We'll see. Hey, now, stop it! Get back! Ah, nice work there, my boyo. They may have promoted you to detective, but it's good to see you can still swing a billy club like a real cop. I learned from the best, Sarge. Ah, now, you'll make me blush. You're gonna join the lads over at Murphy's for a little gig of water? 
I wouldn't say no, uh, but you, me boy, need to go and have a word with the captain. What for? Something special, I reckon. He's got folks in there and some Fed agent. Off you go now. Who is it? Detective Malone, sir. Enter. This is the detective I was telling you about. Malone, meet Augusta Corlear and Maurice Van Brunt. How do you do, sir? Nice to meet you, detective. Ma'am? A pleasure to make your acquaintance, Detective Malone. Uh, Say, I didn't catch your name. Agent Sutter, Federal Bureau of Immigration. Malone, do you know a Mr. Robert Soydem? Lives up in Flatbush off Martin Street? Yes, that's right. What's he like? I hear he's 60s-ish, portly, shock of white hair, bit scruffy around the edges. Goes about with a gold-headed cane. Neighborhood folks see him as a queer old duck, uh, shut in with a house full of books. You've never met him? No, sir. What brought him to your attention? I was working a case, sir. A colleague told me he was quite an authority on medieval superstition. Told me he might have an out-of-print pamphlet on the Kabbalah and the Faustus legend. Did he? Uh, Never followed up on it, sir. Uh, My suspect uh, confessed. Soydem in some kind of trouble? Mr. Van Brunt and Mrs. Corlear are Mr. Soydem's closest direct relatives. Last year, they brought a case to the courts in an attempt to have him declared mentally incompetent. I see. I know what you're thinking, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. We didn't want to do it. We debated the issue for months, but, well, it's clear he's just not in his right mind. Why? What'd he do? He changed, Detective. His whole personality. It was gradual, but he let himself become shabbier and shabbier like some kind of mendicant. We'd see him down in the worst neighborhoods. Imagine, by the Borough Hall, talking with the worst kind of swarthy, evil-looking strangers. He'd babble about unlimited powers almost in my grasp. He'd leer and say names to me. What names? Like Bible names or something. Sephiroth, Ashmodai, and Samael. We showed the court he's wasting a fortune importing weird books from London and Paris. Tell him about the flat. Cousin Robert rented this horrible basement flat in Red Hook. He'd be down there almost every night receiving delegations of foreigners and other despicable characters. Apparently they were conducting some kind of religious ceremonies down there. Can you imagine? We hired private eyes to follow him. They heard cries and chants, maybe dancing. They said it was weird, even for Red Hook. So what did he have to say for himself? Did he answer to a judge? He did. And then suddenly he was all slick and reasonable, like there was nothing wrong in the world. He said he was investigating a folk tradition, which required very close contact with foreign groups and their songs and folk dances. He said our case was absurd, that we just didn't understand his work. The judge ruled in Soydem's favor and their case was dismissed. Uh, Begging your pardon, sir, I'm not sure what this has to do with me. Mr. Van Brunt, Mrs. Corlear. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to step out. Anything you can say about Cousin Robert in front of this man, you can say in front of me. Please, madam. There are elements involved in the criminal underworld so terrible, depraved, and foul, I would never speak them before the fairest sex. But rest assured, as far as we are concerned, the matter of Robert Soydem is far from resolved, and we'll do our utmost to bring justice and closure to your family's concerns. Thank you, Captain. Here, Augusta, take my handkerchief. Thank you. Thank you, officers, truly, thank you. The desk sergeant will have someone escort you home. Well? They seem earnest enough. 
Sorry, who are you again? Agent Sutter. I'm with immigration, up from Washington. A fed, huh? So what's the rest of the story? We took a look at Soitum on this thing with the relatives and didn't like what we saw. Still don't. Soitum's rubbing elbows with some of the most vicious thugs Red Hook has to offer. Look at this list. Repeat offenders, thievery, murder, and... Importation of illegal immigrants. Well, that explains you then. Detective, your shabby old book collector runs with a circle that coincides almost perfectly with the worst of the smugglers who bring ashore Asian dregs turned back by our boys on Ellis Island. Yeah, I've seen them. Down by Parker Place, where Sidon's flat is. Where are they from? We don't know. They're nameless, unclassified. They use the Arabic alphabet, but even the Syrians won't traffic with them. We could deport them for lack of credentials, but a raid in Red Hook can be... Sure, sure. You federal boys wouldn't want to get your hands dirty. We're keeping an eye on them. See what they're up to, where they come from. Well, what do you got so far? They seem to loiter around the wharves near Van Dyke and Halleck, but we don't know where they meet. There are a lot of apparently empty warehouses around there and along the canal, and of course down around Parker Place, near Soydom's. Did you fellas question Soydom about them, Sutter? He was useless. Said they were, well, let me see here, a remnant of Nestorian Christianity tinctured with the shamanism of Tibet. What the devil's that mean? Uh, the Nestorians were an early Christian sect. They were declared heretics and moved east to Persia, then India. Soidom said he thought the people were of Mongoloid stock, originating somewhere in or near Kurdistan. Kurdistan? Never heard of it. Mountainous region between eastern Turkey and northern Persia. Kurdistan is the land of the Yazidis, the last survivors of the Persian devil worshippers. How do you know all this? I read books, sir. Captain, these immigrants are flooding into the country here at Red Hook. The Bureau can't sit idly by while this foreign menace washes ashore. Well, the local gangs must be tolerating it. We'd have heard about it if they weren't. Would you have? They do more than tolerate it. It's almost as if they welcome them. Hmm. Detective, the Bureau of Immigration suspects some kind of marine conspiracy that's getting them in. We've made it a priority to compute their numbers, ascertain their sources and occupations, and find a way to get rid of them. Malone. I'm ordering you to work with Agent Sutter and his people to get this done. They need someone with more local knowledge. Hold on, Captain. Your man here seems to know a thing or two, I'll admit, but I need someone I can rely on. Begging your pardon, sir. I'm not clear what you're inferring. No offense, Malone, but you're... A bog-trotting potato-eating mick. Aren't you, Malone? Aye, that I am. I wouldn't have put it that way. It's just the Bureau prefers to work with, um... Americans. Sutter, I've chosen the right man for the job. You're lucky to get him. If you say so, Captain. Show him about, Malone. Let's find where these foreign devils are meeting. I won't let you down, Captain O'Hara. Did you have a problem working with Agent Sutter? No. Was he prejudiced? Because you're Irish. <laughs> Never crossed my mind. The federal agencies are full of small minds. I figured Sutter could round up his dirty foreigners. For me, I was looking forward to it. I felt we were probing the edges of some vast dark secret. I see. And in shabby old Robert Soidum, I found some kind of arch-fiend and nemesis. My. So what did you do? I quietly showed Agent Sutter the neighborhood, talking to the handful of informants who might tell me something for a greenback or a quart of whiskey. Jimmy, a word if you please. Uh, back off. I ain't got nothing to say to you, copper. No, no, I was just going to check up on your health. My health? Oh, yeah, my lumbago. It's terrible. 
real sore. I'll bet. Who's your friend? <coughs> nice suit. Yeah, this is Dr. Sutter. You know, he probably has a bottle of medicinal tonic he could give you. Don't you, doctor? I don't. Sure you do. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah? Because the pain's... Uh... But we'd want to have a wee chat before he'd hand it over. All right. Over here, where they won't see us. <clears throat> the bottle, please, Doc. Ah, uh, now, you know the rules. Questions first. There's a lot of new faces in town. Foreigners. Yeah? So what else is new? Come on. Squat bodies, slanty eyes, you know the ones we mean. Wearing flashy American clothes as if they belong here. I ain't seen nobody like that. Watch it, Malone. My arm. Criminy. You know him? Oh, wait. Yeah. A little. Uh, let go. Where did they come from? I, I don't know. No, wait, wait. I, I don't know where it is. Some place called Birdie Land or Curdy Land or something. They're Kurds. What are they doing here? I seen one or two peddling stuff on the docks. Uh, one guards a newsstand on Clinton. Uh, that Greek joint, Papadapalus, they got a couple in the kitchen. Most of them, though, ain't got no jobs. I don't know how they get by. How are they getting in? Boats? Yeah, that's what I hear. From who? Look, I, I don't know. No, 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 wait, really, I don't. Uh, but I know a guy, and he's got a brother who's seen him. He was there. I want to talk to this guy. Well, how about that, Jimmy? That's not gonna work so good, Malone. The brother don't speak no English. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. The guy does. He can translate. Bring him here. Eleven tonight. Ah, right back. The lumbago, remember? I remember. Here. <laughs> nice doctor, your friend with a suit. Maybe he can fix my broken arm. Yeah, maybe. But I wouldn't hold out too much hope for your face. Ha ha. There's nothing wrong with my face, Malone. Well, be here with your friends at 11, Jimmy, and just maybe we can keep it that way. Detective Malone, how are you keeping? Can't complain, Perkins. This here's Agent Sutter from the Bureau of Immigration. We need a word with one of your murderers. Yeah, sure. Which one? I got loads of them. Bill Lovett. Wild Bill? Ooh-wee. Good luck getting anything off of one of those white-hand gangsters. You're wasting your breath, copper. I don't know a thing. Ah, what you do, Bill. There's nothing meaningful happens in Red Hook, but the White Hand Gang knows about it, right? We try and keep abreast of things. Ah, you've seen them. This new lot of foreigners. We've all seen them. But the funny thing is, we don't know where to look for them. Maybe you can help us? Since when am I in the business of helping the feds? Well, now, Agent Sutter here is in a position to have a word with his good friends over in the Justice Department, aren't you? I could make a few calls. Maybe you two can help each other. That is, unless the White Hand is in cahoots with these... Hey! I can't stand them foreigners no better than the next guy. I'm a good church-going man. <laughs> sure you are, Bill. You know, I'd swear I heard strange church music in Red Hook. Like an old organ, but not from any church I know. Never could place it. I don't care what they get up to in their tents or basements or wherever they go. But I can't abide that kind of carrying on in a church. Carrying on? Church? What church? I hear some kind of god or priests promised them incredible powers and some weird glory rule in some strange land. Where'd you hear that? I got nothing to say to you. You want to know where to look from? 
Troy St. Apollonia. Oh, that old tumble-down stone church on uh, Conover? You know it, Malone. Oh, sure. Wednesday nights, it's a dance hall. <laughs> of course. Maybe it was once Catholic, but every priest I've talked to says the diocese dropped it decades ago. You go, boy, and you'll hear shrieking and drumming coming out of it, even when it looks empty and dark. Heathens! That's near where I've heard that strange organ music. Thanks for your help, Bill. I can't abide the godless. I know my commandments. I am the Lord God. You shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, well, you might want to take a fresh look at the fifth one. Huh? Thou shalt not kill. You're almost on time, Jimmy. You're going to ruin your reputation. Ha ha. Lucky you brought your doctor in case I laugh myself to death. That can be arranged. Uh, right. So, hey, Malone, this is the fella I told you about. Burgos. And who's this one? That's his brother. He's like a translationer. Uh, Burgos don't speak no English. So, these foreigners, how are they getting ashore? Uh, big ships. They unload on nights with no moon. Unload to what? Robot. It go under wharf. See, Malone? I, I told you he knew. I, I told you. That should be worth something. Sure, sure. Ask him which wharf. He say his secret river go underground to Lake Underhouse. What house? Where's this house? Then then my. He don't know. Uh, Red Hook? We know it's Red Hook. Which wharf did they take the rowboat to? He, he don't know. He say the stars, they move crossways and they begin from where it is finished. Secret river. What's that supposed to mean? Me don't know. It's what he say. Him confusion. His confusion isn't much help. This guy's useless, Malone. I should check these two for immigration papers. No, th that's good stuff. I, I told you he'd been there. I, I mean, it's worth a few greenbacks. Not out of my pocket. That's pretty good, right, Malone? Come on. Ah, here you go, Jimmy. Don't spend it all in the one place. Old Sutter didn't approve of my methods, I guess. So while he and his federal agents kept watching the church, I followed Sidem's movements. In addition to the basement in Parker Place, he'd leased additional flats and three houses to harbor these strange immigrants. Every now and then he'd go to the old house in Flatbush, apparently, to obtain and return books. He looked scruffier than ever, and I decided it was time to have a talk with the old coot. <laughs> Hey, what you want? Uh, Detective Malone, New York City Police. I just have a few questions for you. Police? Well, what do you want? I was hoping we might have a word about some of your business transactions. May I come in? No, the stoop will do. What do you want? I have nothing to hide. I understand you've rented several properties in Red Hook. We've seen people coming and going from your properties. Can, can you tell me who these people are? No. You don't know? I've rented real estate. I don't work directly with any tenants. We've heard accounts of strange noises late at night coming from your property at Parker Place. Any idea what that might be about? No. 
We've seen large numbers of Kurdish immigrants congregating at a house leased in your name. So? Well, we're wondering what they want, how they got in the country. No idea. You should ask them. I notice you've been spending a lot of time down in Red Hook, sir. May I ask what your business is there? I am a scholar. I study the folklore of immigrants. Red Hook has a lot of immigrants, and a policeman can have no legitimate concern with my studies. I had heard that your library has an old volume on the Kabbalah and other myths. It's quite rare. Yes, it is. Now, a good day to ye. You didn't arrest him? Arrest him? For what exactly? Dr. Lieber, sure, I'm hoping you don't throw people in the asylum before you've determined they're insane. Not usually. So what happened next? <laughs> Would you believe the case was dropped? There was some issue with budgets between the city and federal authority, or maybe Sutter had enough of working with Irish cops. Anyway, I went back to my regular duties as a Red Hook detective. Ah. But it wasn't over, was it? I didn't see Sodom for some time after that. I guess it was around the time we had this wave of kidnappings and disappearances. Everyone was tense. That's when I saw him. I could scarcely believe it. What was he doing? Well, at first I didn't realize it was him. A clean-shaved face, well-trimmed hair, and tastefully immaculate attire. Each time I saw him after that, he was a little improved. How so? He took on a sort of sparkle in his eye and a spring in his step. He was losing weight, and he just seemed more youthful. I'd swear even his hair darkened. Hmm. He cleaned up his person, then he renovated and redecorated his place up in Flatbush. Threw a series of receptions there and invited all the friends he'd shunned before, even his relatives, who tried to have him committed. So I said to him, that may be your custom, sir, but you still need to put some trousers on. <laughs> oh, if you'll excuse me. Ah, oh, my dear Augusta. So pleased you could make it. Cousin Maurice, always a pleasure. Robert, you look... Well, you look like a new man. You'll have to tell me your secret, old chap. <laughs> no secret, just clean living. I'm so pleased you could come tonight. And the house. It looks beautiful. Are those rugs new? They are. Shipped over from Baghdad. C care for a cocktail? Oh, thank you. But, Robert, this is such a change. It is, isn't it? A change for the better, I think. I want you to know we feel terrible, old boy, about that whole business with the courts. We were only trying to look out for you. You seemed a, a bit off your rocker. We were so worried. Water under the bridge. I become so engrossed in my work, I fear I let a lot of things go, including myself. But I'm back now. I'll say. Robert, the renovation here, it must have cost a fortune. Truth be told, I inherited a bit of money from an old European friend and decided I'd spend my remaining years enjoying what I can from life. Yeah. Your attitude does you credit, Robert. Now, if it's not too presumptuous, I'd like to pry and see if a certain rumor I've heard is true. Oh, how word does travel. Well, yes. It's not in the papers yet, but it is true. I'm engaged to be married. Congratulations, O.B. And who is she? Miss Cornelia Gerritsen of Bayside. Gerritsen? Is she related to... Yes, our great Aunt Mimi. She's her daughter-in-law's second cousin. Well, let's have a toast to the happy bridegroom. Cheers! I learned of the engagement about the time we raided the church. The dance hall church? Yeah, that's the one. 
There'd been all these kidnappings and we had a report. One of the missing children had been seen through the church window. We battered in the door and scattered through the place. It's empty. No kids, no foreigners. My old partner, Sergeant McKenna, stayed on with me. Have a closer look. I tell you, I spent a lot of hours in church, me boy. But this one... I mean, did you ever see a painting of Jesus look like that? I can't say I have. It makes my skin crawl. And, and look at this one. Old St. Peter looks like he's smirking or something. I wonder if they did it this way on purpose? Well, I don't much like the looks of this. What's this big metal basin on the altar for? Rusty. Hey, Sarge, come take a look at this. What you got there? What are those letters? That Russian? It's Greek. A dirty lot, them Greeks. Can you read it? Well, I studied back at Trinity. I'll need a dictionary for this, though. I'll copy it down. Ah, come on, let's get out of here. This place stinks. Did you translate it? Oh, friend and companion of night, thou who rejoicest in the baying of dogs and spilt blood, who wanderest in the midst of shades among the tombs, who longest for blood and bringest terror to mortals, Gorgo, Mormo, thousand-faced moon, look favorably on our sacrifices. That's... What does it mean? You tell me. And by the time of Sodom's wedding, the kidnapping epidemic had become a popular newspaper scandal. Most of the victims were young children of the lowest classes, but the increased number of disappearances had worked up a sentiment of the strongest fury. The papers clamoured for police action. So once more, the Butler Street Station sent me and some of the boys on a raid of Sodom's Parker Place houses. <laughs> All right, all right, you people. Get back. Get back. This is a police business. You understand me? Right, and one, two, three. It's all clear in here. All clear. There's no kid? There's nobody, damn it. Jesus, would you look at the walls? They painted them all. What the hell are those pictures supposed to be? Demons. Monsters. That's a... I don't know what that is. And all this writing on the walls, uh, red paint flaking off, it's, it's been there for a while, this, this writing. Is, it, is this more Greek? Yeah, that's Greek, all right. And this is Arabic. Roman, of course, and this is Hebrew. Yeah, Hebrew? Uh, don't tell me the Jews have been there, too. The letters are Hebrew, but the words... Uh, it all says the same thing in different alphabets. Hel, Elohim, Sother... Emmanuel, Sabaoth, Agla, Tetragrammaton, Agiros, Othios, Iskiros, Athanatos, Yehovah, Adonai, Messias, Esherehei. Saints preserve us. What's it mean? It's like a Kabbalistic chant, some kind of demon worship. Jesus. How do you know this stuff? I told you. I read books. Some lousy books you read. Detective upstairs. It's like some kind of science laboratory. Beakers and tubes and stuff. And lots of those pentacles and symbols and stuff. I'm figuring it's devil worship. Any trouble from the crowd outside? Nah, they're just kind of milling around. Keep an eye on it. Malone, get down here. (laughs) You're going to love this fella. Take a look under the burlap bag. Is it... Gold ingots. Must be a hundred of them. Look, they're stamped with the same characters from the walls upstairs. Do we take it, you know, as (laughs) evidence? Evidence of what? There's nothing to do with kidnappings here. There's no crime here. 
Not yet. But we'll take it all the same, won't we? Oh. It would be a shame to let such a fine burlap bag go to waste. That must have been frustrating. Well, for some of the men, no doubt. All my commander could do was write a letter to Soydum, advising him to keep a closer eye on his tenants. Frustrating for the outraged public, certainly. But not for you. Oh, I found it fascinating. Until the wedding. The wedding? I guess you could say it was the wedding that really transformed events in Red Hook. Why? What happened? It took place in June, and it was a great sensation. I wasn't a guest, of course, but I saw all the decked-out motor cars thronged about the old Dutch church. The neighborhood had never seen anything like it. After, the party of guests escorted the bride and groom down to the Cunard Pier. That was something straight out of the social register. Were you ever married, Thomas? Me? <laughs> Jesus, no. Why? Just wondering. Go on. Well, by five, everyone waved adieu, and that great liner set out to sea and the old world beyond. Sounds rather picturesque. Hmm. Now, keep in mind, the next part of the story I never saw for myself. I learned it after the fact from Dr. Alexander Coulson. He'd been the ship's doctor on the liner Aquitania. I learned his story well after the fact, but it profoundly shaped my understanding of the events at Red Hook. He reached out to me, offering information. I went to see him at his home one Sunday afternoon. Detective Malone, thank you for making the trip up. After reading your letters, I hardly see how I could have refused. Please sit down. May I offer you a drink? Oh, with pleasure. I feel I could use one myself. Are you all right, Dr. Coulson? Oh, yes, of course. It's just... I've never told anyone the full story. Who could believe it? I don't even know where to... Your letter said you'd seen literally unbelievable things on the ship. I hope my reply makes it clear that I have some understanding of the kinds of forces at work in the Sodom affair. Just tell me what you saw. You'll find me very open-minded. It was about ten o'clock. The ship had separated from the tugs, and we were moving into deep water at the edge of the harbor. I was up on the bridge. I always liked the view of the city lights at night from up there. Adjust course to heading 135, Mr. Pym. Telegraph engine room, increased throttle, 15 knots. Aye, Captain. Beautiful night, eh, Dr. Coulson? Indeed, sir. What the dickens that? We're barely underway. Captain. Captain. What is it, Morgan? We need... Oh, there you are, sir. You're needed right away, Doctor. Oh, what's happened? Passengers reported screams coming from a cabin. The purser dispatched Seaman Ballard. He went and broke in the door. What? Then he went mad, running through the promenade deck, screaming. Good Lord. It took three men to subdue him. Where is he now? Well, they hauled him down to the engine room. You, you know, keep him away from the passengers. But he's still thrashing about in a panic. Morgan, here, take these irons and secure Mr. Ballard. Dr. Coulson, you go to the stateroom. Of course. Promenade deck, what number? 109, sir. The honeymoon suite. Uh, yes, sir. That'd be Mr. and Mrs. Soydum. Just married today, I hear. Sounds like it's more than a case of wedding night jitters. Let's hope that's all it is. I'll go and see. Captain. What? We've got a tramp steamer dead ahead. She's coming right at us. Adjust heading to starboard, Pim. Uh, steer clear of her. What are they thinking? Adjusting course. Hard starboard. Perhaps I heard the first mate's warning, but at the time, my only concern was the welfare of the passengers. When I got to the stateroom, the door had indeed been broken. But there was only darkness and silence within. Hello? Anyone there? It's the ship's doctor. We heard noises. Is everyone all right? 
Mrs. Soydem, is that you? I'm coming in. I'm turning on the light now. <gasps> Mrs. Soydem was dead. She'd been strangled, as I wrote you, but the claw mark on her throat could not have come from her husband's or any other human hand. I'm guessing there were no animals on board at the lake? No, nothing like that. So what do you think made it? I can't imagine. But just before I turned on the lights, the open porthole was clouded for a second with an odd phosphorescence. For a moment I thought I heard outside the suggestion of a faint and hellish tittering. Oh, good God, man. Here, let me pour you another. I didn't really see anything. It was so indistinct. Maybe that's lucky. I've often thought that. Especially later, when I tried to treat poor Ballard. He never recovered from what he saw. What about Mr. Soydem? He was dead, too. I was just stooping to examine him, but then in the flickering light I saw letters on the wall in red. I'll never forget it. What did they say? Oh, I don't know what they meant. The characters were... Uh, Could you draw them for me? I suppose so. Here, use my notebook. (laughs) It's not perfect, but it was something like that. Do you recognize it? It's Caldi. Old Aramaic. Says Lilith. That's the name of a female demon in Hebraic folklore. My God. So what happened next? The second mate arrived, and I left him with strict orders not to allow anyone but me access to the stateroom. I hurried up to the bridge to inform the captain of what had happened. A tramp steamer had pulled alongside the Aquitania, and a horde of dark-skinned, insolent ruffians in officers' dress had swarmed aboard our ship. And is completely irregular, sir, in violation of maritime law. This is a passenger... He must come with us. We take him. Stop this man. Unhand me, sir. Who is this man? Dr. Coulson, the ship's doctor. What's going on here? These men wish to take away Robert Soydem. They claim he's going to die. I've just come from the Soydem stateroom. I regret to say that both Mr. and Mrs. Soydem are already dead. What? I have told you his death is foretold. Come, we take body. You take us him. See here, sir. We have no authority to turn Mr. Soydem's remains over to such... I simply forbid it. Silence him. Captain... Captain, are you all right? Mr. Pym? He will be fine. Maybe now you are captain. You savage. What do you want? Here, you read this. In case of sudden or unexplained accident or death on my part, please deliver me or my body unquestioningly into the hands of the bearer and his associates. Everything, for me and perhaps for you, depends on absolute compliance. Explanations can come later. Do not fail me now. Robert Soydem. And I'm supposed to believe this is his signature? It is true. He signed. Believe it. And this is all you want? His body? We must have it. What for? You must give it. And you'll leave the ship? We have business elsewhere. Very well. Mr. Morgan, will you come with me and these men to the Soydem stateroom? Yes, sir. I led them to the stateroom and, at their request, remained outside as they prepared the body. I didn't really have much choice. Of course. After quite some time, they emerged with Soydem's body. It was wrapped thickly in bedding from the berths. Second mate Morgan and I watched with a sense of dread as the swarthy crew got the thing over the side and away to their tramp steamer without uncovering it. 
I rushed back to the bridge and revived the captain. He was all right? A bad bump on the head, but yes. We radioed the Coast Guard, of course, but we had to think of the rest of the passengers. It wouldn't do for them to find out about what had happened, so the captain ordered that we resume our course. And these ruffians had no interest in Mrs. Soydum? Once we were underway again, I returned to the Soydum stateroom to perform what last services I could. The second mate was with me. After we moved her body, he asked me why I had drained off all of Mrs. Soydum's blood. What on earth do you mean? Yes, detective. Not a drop of blood was left to her. I didn't have the heart to tell Morgan that I hadn't done it. He'd have panicked like Ballard. You mean it was... I saw the vacant bottle spaces on the bar and smelled the remnants of the liquor which had uh, clearly been poured down the sink. What kind of godless monsters would do such a... So yes, they were interested in Mrs. Soydum, all right. And they took more than Robert Soydum's body with them. Are you all right, Detective? I am. I will be, I hope. But thank you, Doctor, for your story. You believe it, don't you? Sir, a man would have to be crazy to believe what you've told me. That's a horrifying tale. Why wasn't this in your original case report, Detective? Well, as I mentioned, I only found out about all of this much later when Dr. Coulson wrote to me. It was a piece from some bizarre, otherworldly puzzle. But it fit in so perfectly with the rest of it. I don't follow you. How does the doctor's story fit in? The ship was at sea, and all that was going on this very same night when I was back in the alleys of Red Hook. A sudden stir seemed to permeate the place as if apprised by grapevine telegraph of something singular. The denizens clustered expectantly around the dance hall church and the houses in Parker Place. We got word that three children had just disappeared, blue-eyed Norwegians from the streets towards Gowanus, and there were rumours of a Viking mob forming in the neighbourhood. And for weeks, I'd been urging the captain to attempt a general clean-up, and finally he was ready for action. The unrest and menace of this evening had been the deciding factor, and just about midnight we got the order to hit Parker Place in its environs. We raided one of Soydum's houses first. We battered in the door, and inside the rooms were lit with candles. There were throngs of the foreigners wearing robes, mitres, and other religious garb. We grabbed them up right and left, and they hurried to throw objects down shafts that were sunk into the floors. And there was smoke from some kind of incense. They'd set up braziers and altars. There were spatterings of blood everywhere. You boys seen Malone? He's over there, Sarge. Uh, what you got here, boyo? Seen them Norwegian kids? No sign of the kids, just more of this. You? Uh, Captain sent my squad up to the dance hall church. Nothing on there. Oh, come on then. Where are we going? Let's go hit Soydum's basement flat. Still think he's in charge of this cult. Right. Come on, boys. I knew we had to find something more here. Did you? There was a smell, like something dead. But the flat was more of the same. Strange books, scientific instruments, gold ingots, and glass-stoppered bottles. Go on. There was a cat. You've never mentioned that. Black and white. It got between my feet. I, I, I stumbled, knocked over a beaker of red liquid. It was very peculiar. The beaker? No, the cat! Then I saw the cellar door, locked, and there was a heavy stool. I broke it down. 
There was an icy wind. It wrapped itself around me like it was alive. It pulled me down into unmeasured spaces filled with whispers and wails and gusts of mocking laughter. Yes. And then what? Well, after that, it was just a dream. The other doctors told me. You told me. Just a dream. I've certainly got nothing to prove to the contrary. Oh, how I wish it was only a dream. Then the sight of old brick slums and dark foreign faces would not eat into my soul. Dreams can be very powerful. Tell me about it. It was real. And nothing can ever efface the memory of those knighted crypts. Those titan arcades, those half-formed shapes of hell that strode gigantically in silence, holding half-eaten things whose still-surviving portions screamed for mercy or laughed with madness. Odors of incense and corruption joined in sickening concert, and the black air was alive with the cloudy, semi-visible bulk of shapeless elemental things with eyes. Somewhere, dark, sticky water was lapping at Onyx Piers, and once, the shivery tinkle of raucous little bells pealed out to greet the insane titter of a naked, phosphorescent thing which swam into sight, scrambled ashore, and climbed up to squat leeringly on a carved golden pedestal in the background. Thomas. Avenues of limitless night radiated in every direction, till one might fancy that here lay the root of a contagion destined to sicken and swallow cities and engulf nations in the fetter and hybrid pestilence. Here, cosmic sin had entered and festered by unhallowed rites had commenced the grinning march of death that was to rot us all to fungus abnormalities too hideous for the graves holding. Satan here held his Babylonish court, and in the blood of stainless childhood, the leprous limbs of phosphorescent Lilith were laved. Incubi and succubi howled praise to Hecate, and headless moon calves bleated to the magna mater. Goats leaped to the sound of thin, accursed flutes, and Egypans chased endlessly after misshapen fawns over rocks twisted like swollen toads. Moloch and Ashtaroth were not absent, for in this quintessence of all damnation, the bounds of consciousness were let down and man's fancy lay open to vistas of every realm of horror and every forbidden dimension that evil had power to mold. The world and nature were helpless against such assaults from unsealed wells of night, nor could any sign or prayer check the Walpurgis riot of horror, which had come when a sage with the hateful key had stumbled on a horde with a locked and brimming coffer of transmitted demon lore. Thomas, you're... Suddenly, I heard oars and saw a ray of physical light. A boat with a lantern in its prow darted into sight and made fast to an iron ring in the slimy stone pier. There were dark men carrying a long form, swathed in bedding. They took it to the naked phosphorescent thing on the carved golden pedestal, and the thing tittered and pawed at the wrappings. Then they unswathed it and propped upright before the pedestal the gangrenous corpse of a corpulent old man with stubbly beard and unkempt white hair. <laughs> the phosphorescent thing tittered again, and the men produced bottles from their pockets and anointed its feet with red, and then gave the bottles to the thing to drink from. In an instant, every moving entity was electrified and formed into a ceremonial procession. The nightmare horde slithered away in quest of the sound. Goat and satyr, incubus, succubus, twisted toad and shapeless elemental, dog-faced howler and silent strutter in darkness, all led by the abominable, naked, phosphorescent thing that had squatted on the carved golden throne. 
and that now strode, bearing in its arms the glassy-eyed corpse of the corpulent old man. The strange dark men danced in the rear, and the whole column skipped and leaped with a Dionysiac fury. What did you do then, Thomas? I staggered after him, but I faltered. I couldn't go on. I sank down. I don't remember. Think back, Thomas! It was the chant. I saw it in the church. Written in Greek. O friend and companion of night, thou who rejoicest in the baying of dogs and spilt blood, who wanderest in the midst of shades among the tombs, who longest for blood and bringest terror to mortals, Gorgo! Gorgo! Someone was coming back my way. I raised myself to my elbows to look. Who was it? I could hardly see. The luminosity of the crypt, lately diminished, now slightly increased, and in that devil light, I saw the fleeing form of that which should not flee or feel or breathe. The glassy-eyed, gangrenous corpse of the corpulent old man, now needing no support, but animated by some infernal sorcery. After it raced the naked, tittering, phosphorescent thing that belonged on the carven pedestal. Still farther behind panted the dark crew of the rowboat. The corpse was straining with every rotten muscle towards the carved golden pedestal. Why? I didn't know, but in a moment it had reached its goal whilst the trailing throng chased it. But they were too late for one final spurt of strength which ripped tendon from tendon and sent its noisome bulk floundering to the floor in a state of jellyish dissolution. corpse's push had been tremendous, and as it collapsed to a muddy blotch of corruption, the pedestal he had pushed tottered, tipped, and finally careened from its onyx base into the thick waters below, sending up a parting gleam of carven gold as it sank heavily to undreamable gulfs of lower Tartarus. And that's all I remember. Perhaps I fainted. Thomas, that is indeed a terrifying dream. Anyone would be shaken by it. You're the one who tells me it was only a dream. You believe it happened in real life. What I know is that night all three of Soydum's houses came crashing down with no visible cause. Half my men and scores of prisoners were in them, crushed as they came down. Oh, my God. Poor McKenna. But not you. No. The report says they found you in a tunnel far under the house, at the edge of a pool with, and I quote, a grotesquely horrible jumble of decay and bone, subsequently identified through dental work as the body of Soydum. Yes, men spirited his body off the ship and used a canal to return him to his home. He'd been using the canals to smuggle in foreigners and participate in terrible cult rituals. The tunnel led back to the dance hall church where they found a secret chapel. 
The croaking organ was there, as well as a vast arched chapel with wooden benches and a strangely figured altar. The walls were lined with small cells, in seventeen of which they found solitary prisoners in a state of complete idiocy, including four mothers with infants of disturbingly strange appearance. I heard these infants died soon after exposure to the light. Probably the most merciful end. It's all over now, Thomas. Two of the foreigners were convicted for their roles in the kidnappings and are now in prison. Agent Sutter and his men rounded up the illegal Yazidi immigrants and shipped them off somewhere. Soydam's properties were demolished. The canals beneath were dredged and filled. Soydam was dead before a case could be brought against him and his family was grateful for it. He and his young bride were buried at Greenwood Cemetery. The whole matter has been laid to rest. Laid to rest. <laughs> Sometimes I think about parts of those canals that were too deep to dredge, you know? What might be down there? And the crew of the tramp steamer that took Soydam's body? They're still out there. It's not your job anymore, Thomas. Leave it to others. Others like you? You're a shrewd man, Doctor. Your type usually are. But for all your intelligence, I see a sadly limited perspective in your lack of wonder at the myriad unexplainable details and the suggestive obscurity of the whole case. You, the pavers, Sutter, everyone just saw a morbid sensation and wondered over a minor sadist cult. What should we have seen? God, man, you should have proclaimed a horror from the universe's very heart. Is that what you feel? Ah! Hmm. The situation in Red Hook is over now, Thomas. The neighborhood is being much improved. I believe they're building a new... Ah! Red Hook's always the same. Sodom came and went. Uh, terror gathered and faded. But the evil spirits of darkness and squalor broods on. Age-old horror is a hydra with a thousand heads. And the cults of darkness are rooted in blasphemies deeper than the well of Democritus. There's no more horror, Thomas. The soul of the beast is omnipresent and triumphant. And Red Hook's legions still chant and curse and howl as they file from abyss to abyss. Your time in Red Hook has certainly changed you, Thomas. And not for the better. I think the horror you see is the one you brought with you. I hear the dance hall church is now mostly a dance hall, and queer faces have appeared at night in the windows. Poor McKenna's wife writes me that the filled-up crypt has been dug out again for no simply explainable purpose. You know you're not supposed to be writing to your former colleagues or their families. Of course. <laughs> Who are we to combat poisons older than history and mankind? Do you think you feel this way? Because... So many died. Your partner. No, for the love of God, it's not about them. Do you feel guilty because you were spared? Spared? I wasn't spared any more than you were spared. The horror is still out there, thriving in the dark. It can bide its time till doomsday, silent and stealthy, creeping along just at the boundaries of perception. No one gets spared. We're just left waiting for the end. Hmm. I see. <laughs> Something amusing, Thomas. Our conversation. Tell me about the horrors, you said. I'm more imaginative than you might think, you said. Just another interrogation. I wanted you to share your feelings, Thomas. My feelings are not fit for sharing with you or anyone else. You're right. They're not. Well, I think, Thomas, we should continue to keep you here in Chapachet. 
away from cities and brick buildings. And let's increase your dose to four tablets a day. Detective Malone is still convalescing in the countryside, and new policemen are patrolling the streets of Red Hook. Only the other day, one of these eager young men, a new detective in fact, overheard a stooped old woman teaching a small child some whispered words in the shadow of an archway. Oh, friend and companion of night, thou who rejoicest in the pain of dogs and spilt blood, who wanderest in the midst of shades among the tombs, who longest for blood and bringest terror to mortals. Gorgo, Mormo, thousand-faced moon, look favorably on our sacrifices. Gorgo, Mormo, look favorably upon our sacrifices. You've been listening to H.P. Lovecraft's The Horror at Red Hook. Brought to you by our sponsor, Bubble Pep. Remember, for good health, doctors recommend you drink nerve-quenching Bubble Pep with every meal. Drink Bubble Pep, let us pour you some. The L is for lithium, yum, yum. Until next week, this is Erskine Blackwell reminding you to never go anywhere alone. If it looks bad, don't look. And save the last bullet for yourself. The Horror at Red Hook was adapted for radio and produced by Sean Branny and Andrew Lehman. Original music by Troy Sterling Neese. The Dark Adventure Ensemble featured Leslie Baldwin, Sean Branny, Casey Camp, Dan Conroy, Mike Dallager, Lucas Dixon, Matt Foyer, Andrew Lehman, Jacob Andrew Lyle, Barry Lynch, John A. McKenna, Kevin Stidham, Josh Temke, and Time Winters. Tune in next week for... The Prisoner of Saturn's Rings, a spectral tale of science by Eduardo McPhee. Dark Adventure Radio Theater is a production of the HP LHS Broadcasting Group, a subsidiary of HP LHS Incorporated, copyright 1934, plus 81.